You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of arrowheadpride.com, joined once again by my esteemed executive editor, uh, John Dixon. We're also joined today by our Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta. The Chiefs have advanced to the divisional round after their Saturday night win over the Miami Dolphins. It's funny that we we have uh, a, a schedule all year where you really never see Saturday games, John, and then the most important game of the season ends up being on Saturday night far far different than how you played the rest of the season. It is. It's very odd and it's very odd for this to be a Monday where there's nothing going on right. until there are the last two um wild card games which was only supposed to be one wild card game. This whole right. weekend has been completely crazy on on just about every level. Yeah, what what John is referring to is uh Steelers and Bills. Somehow Kansas City played in minus 30 degree weather. And the Steelers and Bills got uh, the government to move the game. Of course, there was more precipitation in, in Buffalo. It looks right. like they got pounded by two feet of snow. Uh, and as we speak, it's about 11 a.m. on Monday. Uh, the The Bills are still trying to clear the stadium of snow. This game will take place at 3.30 p.m. Uh, Arrowhead time. And it's the final AFC game of the weekend. And so with that in mind, the Chiefs did not have Andy Reid this morning. And usually we'd go over Andy Reid's quotes. They won't have them until the first day of the practice week. And uh, right now it's either going to be the Chiefs at Bills uh, or the Texans coming to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. We'll get into those times and scenarios uh, at the end of the show. But I want to stay right now with this Chiefs and, and Dolphins game, and let's open it up for our world-famous Marinated Takeaways. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Yeah, it's that time. It's that time for our marinated takeaways, our playoff edition. We haven't had wild card marinated takeaways in two years. So uh, <laughs> we have them from this game. Everybody's uh, Chiefs, been waiting all this yeah, time. It is, it is highly anticipated. Uh, the Chiefs win 26 to 7 uh, against the Miami Dolphins. We'll start with John and then go to Steve for his first takeaway. Uh, John, uh, and I should mention before we get started, this is going to be an expedited show. Like we said, we don't have a ton of media. We don't even know the Chiefs opponent at this time. So we're just going to review the game with our merited takeaways, talk a little bit about the schedule and get you on uh, your merry way here. So John, let's start it up. 
uh, marinated takeaway from Chiefs Dolphins. Well, and since we uh, have this uh, abbreviated show today, I'm going to spend 10 minutes talking about this particular takeaway. No, I'm not. Perfect. Just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That'd be, that'd be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, every time the Chiefs play a cold weather game, uh, all the national uh, analysts, sometimes the local analysts too, go out of their way to talk about how this is going to be a game that depends on the running game yeah. uh, and how the, they're not going to be able to throw the ball because it's slick and it's hard. And then the Chiefs go out with Patrick Mahomes and he starts passing. The game started with three consecutive passes. They passed as much as they always do in any Chiefs game. What's the difference? The thing that we haven't really talked about uh, since it first became a reality back in 2016, the Chiefs have a heated field at Arrowhead Stadium. Right. And I think this has played a big factor in all of these January games that have been played there. And when they finished installing it in 19, in 2016, it took three years to put this thing in, by the way. Um, it's, I started in 2013, finished in 2016. And uh, the thing is enormous. It's a huge yeah. investment. And they did it because they knew they were going to be playing a lot of postseason games in January. So I think we should salute the Chiefs for being so forward-thinking and also recognizing that they were going to need this kind of thing to play games in January and play the way that um, they want to play the games instead of, you know, having to make big concessions because of the weather. And I think that's why uh, teams come in and don't expect it to be, they expect something completely different. And I think mm -hmm. Andy Reid touched on that a little bit in his remarks after the game that, that he didn't think that the Dolphins believed that Mahomes is going to come in and throw the ball like he did yeah. in such cold weather. And I think the field was part of that part of that equation. Well, I was at the coordinator press conference and we were listening to Matt Nagy. And one of the things that jumped out to me is Matt Nagy was asked about how the Chiefs are going to maybe have to run the ball more. And he kind of said, we're going to run it how we we do. And normally I think you you would say, oh, well, that's coach to be going into the game. It's, it's right. certainly going to be more run first. And, and granted, the Chiefs ran the ball a lot, but I think it, it more so had to do with the way the game was going then. Right. An unwillingness to pass the football. So it's a great point. Uh, and, and you know, you don't even think about the idea that the, the field is heated. How much does that matter when it's negative 100, 100 degrees? I mean, uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm sure you'd rather be on a, a heated field than uh, one without that feature. So it's a great point. Uh, and we did not see uh, Kansas City shy away from throwing the football. In fact, I, I, it almost seemed like Patrick Mahomes wanted to throw the ball. Uh, around the yard and he was able to do so uh, with success Steve let's go to your first marinated takeaway from this wild card round well first off you can count me in the group of people who thought they were going to run a little bit more but instead Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 40 plus times uh, <laughs> in that kind of 30 degree weather they really did both when you look at it uh, between Pacheco and Edwards Alaire it was a very balanced attack 31 rushes but you're right Mahomes did throw the football uh, 41 times so more passing than than runs yeah uh i re i really thought and pacheco was super effective early in the game too uh so I, I thought they would lean into that a little bit more in the second half but andy reed loves to throw the ball and I, I don't have an issue with it um this is something that uh brandon kiley on show mbk has really been leaning into and i think i'm finally there with him so I, i'm bringing it to the marinated takeaway table um Rasheed Rice is the Chiefs' number one option on offense yeah. right now. And I think it's definitive. Like, 
you talk about that performance in a playoff game in those conditions where he's got 130 yards and a touchdown, another touchdown that was taken off the board because of a penalty. Like he was the chief's best offensive weapon on the field on Saturday night. And right now it's, I've been talking about it for weeks here on Arrowhead pride. Like when are defenses going to catch on to this? When are they going Mm -hmm. to say, Rice is the number one guy. Rice is the number one option that we have to slow down, not Travis Kelsey anymore. And for weeks, I'm like, yeah, I think it's still Kelsey. I think it's still Kelsey. I think it's Rasheed Rice now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as the Chiefs, I know the Dolphins had so many defensive injuries and were really banged up. And so they didn't have the personnel to match up with the Chiefs really on that side of the ball. But as you move forward here, whether it's the Bills or the Texans or or any of these teams throughout the playoffs, if the Chiefs can, can stay alive and make a run, like, I'd be really interested to see how defenses start playing Rasheed Rice because I, I think at this point it should be, hey, we need to double team that dude. We need to try it. We need to try to put our, our top guy on Kelsey or bracket him or whatever. And then it's make everybody else beat you. And I think teams still haven't totally caught on to that for whatever reason, even though Rasheed Rice has been tremendous over the last like six weeks or so. Yeah, I don't know who invited you on this show because that was what I wanted to talk about. Rasheed Rice and <laughs> Him being the the drag and yak king of the AFC. He <laughs> broke another record on Saturday night. 130 yards. That's the most a rookie receiver uh, has recorded for the Chiefs in, in franchise history. We, we wrote about that both in the newsletter uh, and on ArrowheadPride.com if you, if you check out either. Uh, in a year for me, like where, you know, he wouldn't necessarily say it at the podium and Andy Reid wouldn't talk about it at the podium, but you can see it in their angry faces and their frustrated faces where there has been so much frustration with the pass catchers, with the wideouts. Rice was in the right place at the right time all night long on Saturday. And Mahomes didn't uh, have any problem feeding him in the football. And I think it was a year of figuring out who that guy was going to be. Kelsey was a little bit slower for injury. Otherwise, I I think he looked a lot more fresh, especially at the beginning of this game, having uh, taken last week off. But I just was very, very impressed with with Rice, kind of what you were just saying, Steve. But I also have some other stuff to add. I I thought this stood out from the postgame presser in so many many words and, and just the way that he could describe it. I think this is what we we see with Mahomes and Kelsey when we talk about that mind meld. He said uh, he's progressed a lot since the beginning of the season, and this is Rice. A lot of our offense goes off of man and zone defense as far as if it's zone or man at the beginning of a play, it could change, and you'll be able to change your route in the middle of the play. And so we've always been like wondering, like, why can Travis Kelsey just go wherever he wants? Because it seems like if there uh, is a, a zone coverage look, uh, they have the freedom to go find the soft spot, so to speak, where uh, there are rules built in. And it seems like Rice, maybe as he uh, went through the season, had to really like learn that nuance of the offense. And you could just tell that he is more than comfortable with it right now. And I know that a lot of people are looking at uh, this this year. And I think, yes, he has definitely become the number one option through the air. But I, I think he's going to be an integral part of the offense moving forward. I think we all think that the Chiefs are going to bring a, a number one, quote unquote, uh, wide receiver in from the free agency market. T. Higgins is always a hot name uh, that comes up. But what a number two you have in Rasheed Rice. And how much is this going to open things up for Travis Kelsey in 2024? Rice also said this after the game. They were in zero blitz coverage a lot of the time. A lot of the time you saw that when they're in zero, you know Pat is going to get me the ball quickly. It's best for us to get open as fast as we can. Just being able to know how to get open 
uh, as fast as you can on certain routes. That's all we had to do about that. And the the yak, the that play where he broke like three dolphins were trying to tackle him and he spins around and somehow it looked like he could maybe even get another I think get like an, an additional four yards, but it could have been 10 for all we know if it, if it had gone a little bit differently. So I'm with you and it's right in time. I mean, you're, you're at a max confidence level for the rookie uh, at a perfect time uh, of the season when you need it. And then they've been trying to figure out, okay. And I know rice showed a lot of progress from the middle of the season forward, but I just think uh, to your point, Steve, and just adding on to mine, like I think Saturday night was an exclamation point uh, for, for Rasheed rice and uh, the sky's the limit of what he'll do the rest of the postseason, however many games it goes. But I just think even forward, the Chiefs got another one. You know, we talked about for years how they were seeking a cornerback and they never drafted the cornerback. And Brett Beach can't identify early round defensive backs. Well, Chet McDuffie's pretty damn good. I know he had that one play uh, mm-hmm. against Tyree yeah. Kill, but he's a, he's a, he's an all pro. Uh, same thing uh, is said with receivers. And, you know, look, Cornell Powell didn't work out. Uh, Sky Moore right now. Uh, jury's still out a little bit, but that hasn't gone completely well. But they hit a home run uh, in the second round this year of in, in getting Rasheed Rice. Uh, John, uh, you have anything to add before we go to your next point? Yeah, I was just going to uh, go back to Steve's point about uh, you know, they could end up covering Rasheed Rice, double yep. covering him and and uh, taking him out of the equation. Well, you know what? That's what they used to do with Hill and Kelsey. And yep. one of them would always be successful. You know, they you double cover Hill, then Kelsey gets the work. If you double cover Kelsey, then Hill gets the work. So, you know, yes, that could happen. But I'm not really sure that's going to be a big deal, at least not now. Maybe in a year mm-hmm. or two, that could be a big deal. But by then, as you've noted, uh, the Chiefs might be able to get uh, another receiver in the mix. And then we're back to the same equation. You cover one guy, then the other guy is going to be successful. So um, I think you're right, Steve. I think they're going to start paying more attention to Rashi Rice after what he did on, on, on Saturday. But I'm just not sure it's going to make all that much difference in terms of what the team can do in the passing game. It feels like, I mean, I and this has got to be really frustrating to the other AFC teams that are still left in the dance right here. It just feels like the Chiefs figured it out at the last second. All right, the offense has been disappointing (laughs) this entire time, but oh, damn, the Chiefs have figured it out. They've really, and like now I think they have a good as chance as any team. And I had my doubts going into the playoffs, and I'm not saying they're definitely going to lift uh, the Lamar Hunt trophy and, and win the AFC, but I, I feel a lot better after this game than I did. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you have those red zone issues. Uh, my other points about defense, so I'll very quickly just talk about that. You got to figure out the red zone. I wrote this uh, on the site. I still feel that way uh, two days later. You know, I think you're getting to the point where you're going to have to turn some of these into six. You can't just have Butker kicking six field goals a game, especially when you know that the these other teams have good enough offenses to score. But um, been impressed. I've uh, been really impressed with with Kansas City's offense and, and kind of figuring this thing out. All right, John, let's go to round two. Uh, what is your second marinated takeaway from the Chiefs' 26-7 to win over the Dolphins? Well, I'm just going to uh, to piggyback on what you just were talking about, the red zone uh, yeah. uh, situation with the offense. Yeah, they got to figure that out. Uh, when you get into the red zone, you need to score touchdowns. There's no doubt about that. Um, I don't think the team needs to say, oh, well, we'll just depend on field goals. That'll be enough. Um, but the thing is that there are going to be times that it is enough. And Saturday's game was one of those times. And, um, you know, I don't think the defense is always going to be capable of holding the other team to seven points, but if the chiefs do, they're going to win that game. That's just the way it is. You can't hold the Kansas city offense under, 
uh, under seven points in a game. I just don't think it's reasonable to to have that expectation. Oh, no. Yeah. So if the defense can actually hold the other team to seven points or ten points, they've got to win in the bag. They can get that with Harrison Butker kicking two or three field goals uh, or four field goals, even if they don't score a touchdown. It rem- I wrote about this uh, on ArrowheadPride.com after the game. You know, there was a time that when the Chiefs had a fantastic defense in the 60s, that was very, very normal for Jan Stenerud to completely outscore the other team, which is what Harrison Butker did on Saturday night. Um, that doesn't mean that we should depend on it because there's going to be times that that doesn't work. The other team gets 17 points, which the Chiefs have allowed, I think, half a dozen times this year, that specific score. And I think that's about what their average is over the course of the season. Um, you're not going to be able to depend on field goals. So they're going to have to score some touchdowns, but they did. They scored three yeah. touchdowns. One of them was taken away by a penalty. Um, you know, yeah, they need to do better in the red zone, but they're already showing signs of doing so. So I think that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think they had to be happy with the touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, it seemed like, yeah. uh, it seems like it, it's sort of been the same story, um, kind of in this last stretch of the season where the opening script you start to feel really good about it. you're like yeah those are the chiefs that we remember scoring touchdowns and then it kind of peters off but earlier in the year you know it seemed like they were stalling out and not a position to kick field goals at least you're getting points out of it now i just i don't think it's sustainable to win a super bowl uh you know two of six in the red zone especially uh when you get to buffalo and baltimore uh like i said we'll get into what the schedule is this week here uh as we go in the postseason but uh, look, it was enough on Saturday, and uh, I'm about to talk about defense after I let Steve go here, but you're right. I mean, if they get in the seven, it really doesn't matter if they kick field goals. They can get three field goals in the game. I mean, I guess, uh, and there's a way to to win that way. But anyway, Steve, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let you uh, weigh in here with your second tick. Yeah, mine kind of has to do with the offense, too, and like a- acknowledging the red zone issues. Like, obviously, you want to score touchdowns, and we're used to the Chiefs scoring touchdowns. But I think there's a case to be made that Saturday night was one of their most impressive offensive performances of the season because this team mm. has had some real lows this season <laughs> on that side of the ball. And I, I think... You you mentioned how late they figured things out, but it does feel like they finally figured things out. It's just this is the formula for them. And you can see a path where, like, as long as they don't have the back breaking mistakes, this offense is good enough where if they can just move the ball and not turn it over and and come away with something instead of game changing turnovers Mm -hmm. like they had so much of the season, like. That that Raiders game uh, is the best example of that because they specifically lost that game because of back to back pick sixes. And that was kind of I I think I think that was the lowest point of like this just turnover plague mistake season. And this formula is the formula that can absolutely work for them because that defense is good enough to go up against anybody in the NFL and give them problems. And so it's for me, it's like the offensive formula can succeed like this as long as they don't have turnovers, as long as they don't have the back-breaking mistakes where we know exactly who this offense is at this point. They're going to have some ugly penalties. They're going to have some bad drops. (laughs) They're going to have some frustrating (laughs) moments. But as long as Patrick Mahomes isn't throwing interceptions, as long as they're not fumbling the football, as long as they're not just fumbling away football contests because of back-breaking turnovers like that, 
this this team can totally win against anybody like this in the playoffs. And it's the first time all season I feel like there's a path to it and a vision that I'm like, okay, I actually feel kind of confident in this now. Yeah, and and I think when you hear Patrick even after the game double down on just the fact that like we we're realizing now that you know fourth and fourth and whatever midfield. I'm okay punting the ball because it's unlikely the other team is going to score points if you're able to pin them back within like their 10 yard line. They got a pretty good punter and they got a very good defense. And that has kind of struck the offense at this point, you know, realizing like, you know, maybe we're not as explosive as, as we have been in previous years, but it just doesn't matter if you're able to have more points than the other team. Like, I think we get so caught up in, like, oh, the Chiefs need to be scoring 28 points a game. This is ridiculous. They have Patrick Mahomes. They really, you know how many points they needed the other night? Eight. <laughs> yeah. Needed, you know, like, <laughs> so, and that goes into my final point about the the defense. And I, I guess I'm going to be the only one with a defensive point here. But I think for a while we've been waiting, Steve, as, as you were kind of saying, for the offense to figure it out. And like, what if it's just this? Like, what if it is um, going to be mostly field goals? Uh, if you go to the amount of points that the defense uh, allowed uh, during the year was 17.3 points per game. And so it seemed like the other night that they were able to keep that up. I, I think what I learned about the defense this past week is, well, we knew what they could do in the past game. And, you know, they did it again. I know that Tyreek was able to get his long touchdown, uh, 53-yarder. Uh, and, you know, I think McDuffie was – Happy to admit he got him there. Terrible throw by Tua. I, right, I don't even know how right. Tyreek. Insane play by Tyreek when you talk about how bad the throw was. I mean, it was a it was a terrible throw, and uh, and Tyreek just kind of made lemonade out of, out of lemons. And but you you take let's say we take that fifty three yard touchdown <laughs> away. He had four catches for nine yards. Uh, you look at Jalen Waddle, who's very very good. Uh, two catches for thirty one yards. But we already knew that. We already knew that about the Dolphins. What concerned me about the Dolphins was this insane two-headed rushing attack that they have right. that pre-snap motion that gets defenses off kilter and then all of a sudden you have Achan uh, coming around the edge and gashing you for like 45 yards and so to me uh, to hold one of the best rushing attacks in the league you can't argue that like one of the best rushing attacks in the league uh, Mostert had eight carries for 33 yards and then Achan uh, who's been a dangerous dangerous weapon six carries for nine yards and even in the passing game uh, HN only three catches for 21 yards. If you're keeping some of these elite um, players uh, low in yardage, you're going to set yourself up for like, even if your offense is a little mundane, uh, you know, 17.3 points per game, you're needing 20 points uh, in those games. And you're seeing the chiefs do it against big time weapons. Like the dolphins are an incomplete team and they have work to do. Um, you know, they were hit with a lot of defensive injuries, but uh, they need to kind of figure that out in the off season in big spots. Cause they kind of, uh, petered out, you know, as the as the late season came and then into the the postseason. Uh, listen to these stats too. The Dolphins didn't convert a third or fourth down attempt until 5:58 left in the third quarter. They were one for 12 on third down and three for six on on fourth down. Just a an, an outstanding job. Uh, Nick Bolton was excellent. The front was excellent. Chris Jones was upset that George Karloftis took half of his sack uh, <laughs> after the game. Uh, but they were relentless. And like Tua was confused. Um, I saw that Dan Arlovsky put out that the Chiefs ran about seven or eight different fronts. Uh, they were misaligning. And then all of a sudden, uh, as the, the ball was snapped, they, you know, they would switch from single high to two high safeties. Uh, Tua was not comfortable. You could tell. Uh, 
I think in this game, you know, you talk about the cold and going into it less about maybe how it changed the game plan and how they ran. You could see that the chiefs were just a little happier to be there than the dolphins. Like the dolphins did not want to be there. Um, when they struggled early, it turned into quicksand for them exactly how you wanted to attack a team, uh, that works out in trains in Florida. And I'm I've just been so impressed with the defense. And, and I think, uh, it's weird because, John, we've been on this podcast in years prior, and I, I know we've had conversations like this where we would be like, man, if the defense could just be average, this team would win so many games. <laughs> it's the opposite, and I think the Chiefs are there. Uh, I really do, and I think that's a, a good takeaway. I, you know, I, I was pretty sure that they would get knocked out in the AFC part of this, this playoffs, and now I, you know, I think there's a method uh, f- mm-hmm. for them to win the tournament, and it's just can they execute? Uh, and to all our points, uh, John, you know, John, you know, maybe they don't need so many points. And then, Steve, uh, you know, on your point, just about like if the defense is going to play this well and they've established an offensive identity, maybe they're one of the more complete teams left when you consider a lot of the injuries maybe that you do have in, in Baltimore and Buffalo. So uh, does anyone have anything to add before we move on to the scheduling part, John? I see. I, I see. You yeah, I do. I, I was just going to say that if you're wondering whether or not the Chiefs can really do this or not, then I just ask you to consider this. What if this offense was paired with the defense the Chiefs had when Andy Reid first came to town? Yeah. You know, that that you would have, um, you know, some field goals, but you'd have a guy like Patrick Mahomes who is capable of being the effort guy like Alex Smith was during his last season in Kansas City and what a difference it made in the team's offense when Smith was yeah. able to do that. And that's what Mahomes is at this point. He's like Alex Smith effort. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. a guy who can who can manage the team and and throw the the short passes and and take what the defense gives him, but also be the guy who can run out to the right when he's under pressure and nail a throw 30 yards downfield and get a touchdown. And that's yeah. what Alex Smith was never able to do. That's what Mahomes can still do while he's gotten back to the kind of a player that Smith was when the team was pretty good yeah. and made the playoffs every year. I think though, like if, if you think about Mahomes and his mentality and maybe his like body language and what he was trying to do in a game, like the jets or the Packers, uh, the jets mm-hmm. was a close yeah. call. The Packers, it seemed like he was really like forcing, like, Oh, I want the offense to right. be that. And he's yeah. done a really nice job. Uh, I think of maybe even like being a little bit more conservative, Steve, uh, and and sort of taking what's there and uh, leaning into your point, Steve, which was uh, just minim- you know, minimizing um, any kind of mistake that might put the defense uh, in a precarious situation. Well, and, and I almost feel like it flew under the radar a little bit because the defense was so special on Saturday night, but you could see the the playoff switch flip yeah. for Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Mahomes was excellent in awful conditions where it looked like Tua could barely throw the football out there. And Mahomes is still just out there just throwing lasers all over the field in that, in those kinds of conditions. And also I think one th- final thing, but uh, before we uh, take a break or whatever, but uh, <laughs> Steve Spagnuolo, like we were talking about it for a few weeks. It kind of felt like there was, there was the defense was getting off to these slow starts. Like maybe teams were kind of figuring things out and I am, Never, I've never been more convinced that they were just hanging back and waiting for the playoffs to totally unleash Steve Spagnolo yeah. and this defensive force that they've got going on right now. Because 
he was absolutely excellent. They were excellent. And it was just an incredible performance by them. Yeah. That was my question, Andy Reid, just about Steve's plan because Tua looked lost. I mean, he did. And he didn't. I mean, the Dolphins didn't have a chance with, with uh, Spagnola's plan. I mean, the only should have been a shutout, really. I mean, the only points that they managed were on that, that one play to Tyreek. And Tyreek's going to get you. He's just one of the best players in the league. And so, um also you know what some really nice words by tyreek about arrowhead after he can be he can be a pain in the ass with some of the things that he says but uh he did comment comment and compliment arrowhead and you know a lot of emotion being back after the game humbling probably a humbling experience for uh mr hill john what i was gonna say uh, just to be an extra marinated takeaway i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't think of this before now but you know i wouldn't even know this if my wife terry hadn't been given tickets to the game and was out there yeah. And saw this because it wasn't obvious on TV, but there was a moment where the whole stadium was singing and dancing. Yeah. Um, and that was something that the team asked to happen. Uh, Willie Gay said, Hey, you know, tell them up top to play this song so we can, right. you know, the do our thing. Surfing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Terry said it was an amazing moment to watch the whole stadium do this. And the reason I want to bring this up is because it's obvious the Chiefs are having fun again. Yeah. And I think in the postseason, that is huge. That is enormous. When the Chiefs played in 2019, they were having fun because nobody expected anything of them. You know, they had this young quarterback and nobody thought, oh, yeah, they're going to win the Super Bowl because they've got this hot quarterback. No, they were the young team. Everybody thought they were going to lose out. They didn't because they were having fun. And a year later, when they went to the Super Bowl, they were not having fun. You could tell yeah. when they walked into the stadium, they were thinking about it as too big, as too big a deal. They're not thinking about it that way. And I think that makes the Chiefs very, very dangerous in the postseason. Nobody was having fun that, that night, except for Shaq Leonard and Tom Brady. Everyone right. wearing masks. Right. No one could talk to the player. It was, What a terrible time. We're not that, that Super Bowl doesn't even count. Put an asterisk on it. <laughs> like the NBA bubble championship. That's what that was. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will go through the remaining schedule, make a couple quick predictions, and call it a show. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, a little expedited show for you today, which, which so much uncertainty with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, as it happens, uh, again, right now, uh, live time recording. It is 11.36 a.m. Arrowhead time on Monday. We got two games coming up. It is the Steelers and the Bills at 3.30. And then uh, a little bit later, it'll be the Eagles and the Bucks, which will officially wrap up wildcard weekend. But the Chiefs are eyeing that first game, the Steelers and Bills, because that will dictate not only who they play, but when 
they play. In the case of a Steelers upset, the last I checked, uh, now that they moved the game back, uh, they were 10-point underdogs, so uh, this would be quite an upset. But, hey, we did see the Packers um, blow out the Cowboys yesterday as 7-point underdogs, so you never know. If If the Steelers pull this off, the Chiefs would host the Houston Texans, and that would take place on Saturday at 3.30 uh, Arrowhead time. So if we get the Saturday schedule, uh, Chiefs and Texans uh, at Arrowhead, uh, you'll have all of the media, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Everything will begin tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, same as last week where you lead into uh, there'll be the Saturday afternoon game, which is a great slot. You know, So let's go Steelers. And then Sunday, um, if the Buffalo Bills take care of business at home against the Steelers, the Chiefs will play 5.30 on Sunday in Buffalo. And so they, they would conclude the weekend. So, again, very fast here. Steelers win. Chiefs start the weekend at 3.30 on Saturday against the Texans at home. If the Bills win, which is what we expect, it's likely to be 5.30 p.m. on Sunday. Chiefs traveling to Buffalo. That would break a streak of 14 straight, John. Uh, AFC home playoff games, which is, uh, as I as I understand it, an, an NFL record. Uh, how do you think this game uh, goes between St- the Pittsburgh and Buffalo? You do you foresee anything crazy happening today? Uh, it could. Uh, I, I think I think the Buffalo Bills have a very good chance to win this game. I think you have to you have to have that opinion about it. But I would just say that the Steelers have been a team that has overachieved in big moments this season. They beat the Ravens twice this year for crying out loud. Right. Um, And, um, and I think they're going to be motivated to beat the bills, not just because it's the playoffs, but when they went to Buffalo last year, they were beaten 38 to three. And I think that's the kind of a regular season uh, game that they're going to remember and want some revenge for. So, and and I think also in a situation like that, that the the team that won the last time by such a big score can go into it kind of overconfident, yeah, and uh, and 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 get surprised on the field. So I would say that 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 ten point uh, point spread is too high. I think the 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 Steelers have a better chance to win the game than people probably give them credit for, but. Well, you better go over to Kansas. Actually, you, will <laughs> you better go over Kansas then, John, and access uh, our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook if you feel you. That's wrong. Uh, the one thing I want to say about this, uh, you know, I I think the Bills are going to win this game. I, you know, I I do think they're going to have it in hand. I just think they're a better football team all around right now, playing good at the right time, and it's at home in their environment, so on and so forth. I think that place is going to be rocking uh, in a few yeah. hours here. Um, I I think there's an angle to this thing because I know a lot of Chiefs fans are are hoping the Steelers do this, and so there's another home game. There's an angle to this where you you almost can take your medicine because I think Houston has a pretty good chance of making it a game against Baltimore. So you you take your medicine with the Bills, and if you could manage to, to beat the Bills in Buffalo next week, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if you can manage to beat the Buffalo Bills next week um, you know, in that late game, who knows what's going to happen between Houston and Baltimore. Uh, super house money with Houston. And to me, they're a better team than than the Steelers, uh, who would be going in an upset to um, Baltimore. And John, you mentioned that the Steelers actually were able to um, beat the Ravens twice. Really hard to beat a team, as we've always said, right. three times in, in one year, uh, especially you know traveling to their building. So as far as the AFC Championship goes, you can make a case that there actually might be 
uh, a better chance for the Chiefs to host the AFC title game if the Bills win today, which is a weird way to kind of work it um, backward for you. But uh, if you just consider that Patrick Mahomes, if you really look at his career splits, he's a better quarterback on the road than he is at home. Right. Okay, nobody wants mm-hmm. to hear that, but he is. I think it's like eight or nine points uh, in terms of passer rating. Yeah, so it's significant. Yeah. Either way, um, you can make a case that there are positives for the Chiefs, regardless of how this thing plays out. Like I said, I think Buffalo uh, does take care of business. And, it, you know, if they do, um, which we expect uh, late, they'll have the late game Sunday. So, again, media would start Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we are all waiting to see the result of this football game to, to plan out our weeks, uh, John. And uh, uh, that's the that's the life we live in right now. Um, but, it, you know, I think Kansas City does a really nice job uh, taking in national games, regardless of the implications on the Chiefs. But I, I expect this game uh, to be heavily watched within uh, the Kansas City Metro, John. Uh, I would absolutely think so. But, you know, I said a week ago that I've come to the point that I think they should just bring them on. You know, whoever the opponent's yeah. going to be, I think the Chiefs should go out there and just take them on and do the best they can. Because I think, and I, I feel more confident about this, just like you do after Saturday's game, the Chiefs have a really good chance to make something happen in the postseason. Will they win the Super Bowl? I don't know. Uh, I think it's fair to wonder whether they can win four in a row against the best teams in the league. But we're a long way from thinking they were going to go one and done. They haven't gone one and done, and I think it's possible for them to make it to the AFC Championship game. It's possible for that game to be in Kansas City. But I don't care. You know, it's going to it's gonna play out the way it plays out, and I think the Chiefs are in a position that they can play well against any team that's still in the dance. All right. Uh, keep it locked in at Arrowhead Pride as we will give you updates throughout the week. We'll have an article up later today once this gets determined as to who the, the Chiefs are going to end up playing here and what time it'll be. We'll lock that in uh, on our site, and then we'll we'll go through with our week with the injury report and and the podcast and c- continue to roll. The Chiefs are one of or will be one of eight teams left in the dance, and we'll see if they can – uh, keep the week or keep the playoffs going and, and find a way to repeat uh, as Super Bowl champion. If you're interested in more uh, from Arrowhead Pride, you can go to arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. Sign up for a free trial of our Arrowhead Pride premiere newsletter. Thank you to Steve, the podcast producer, for joining us for Marinated Takeaways. Thank you to John Dixon for joining me on this program. You have listened to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premiere. It's obviously an exciting time as the Chiefs enter this season, looking to become the first back-to-back Super Bowl champs in nearly 20 years. Arrowhead Pride Premiere is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas city. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. In the offseason, the party won't stop. We'll still be covering the biggest stories and all the offseason's twists and turns will show up in your inbox on a regular basis. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.